We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Daymore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you Wednesday night after a Timberwolves loss to the corpse of the Indiana Pacers who played without DeMontis Sabonis, Malcolm Brogdon, and Miles Turner. The final score was Wolves 137, Pacers 141. 141 points in regulation, no overtime. These were the five players who played the most for the Pacers. Goga Batadze, TJ McConnell, Edmund Sumner, Justin Holiday, and Karis LeVert. 141 points. So, on tonight's podcast, we're going to talk about defense. Obviously, you know, we got to focus on the, the defense of this specific game. But, I mean, we also just got to talk about what, what is the future of this team defensively. I mean, what's the plan? And, I mean, and with that, we have to decide... We've decided if this plan is more about something a coach can fix or if it's something that the players and the front office need to fix. Anthony Edwards talked about that a little bit after the game. Here's what he had to say. You talked about uh, individual defense improving over the course of the year. Do you feel that this team as a whole has improved defensively over the course of the season? Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, I feel like uh, 
coach came in and uh, made some uh, some easy um, changes to the defense, and it changed our entire team defense. Like being in gaps, uh, we rather give up three balls than open layups at the rim. We want to challenge everything at the rim, even though we're not still doing it, but we do it more than we do the bad things. So, I mean, as long as we keep going, we'll be all right. So do you feel like that defensively is one of those things where you guys have a training camp next year and now you're running Finch's system defensively and it ends up, you know, leading, like kind of blowing up and being a lot of a lot more effective defensively. Is it kind of one of those things where you think you got to kind of sink your teeth into it defensive or in like a practice setting? I mean, it doesn't matter about, to me, it never matters about like the coach's plan. And like I just said earlier, like it's all about effort. Like coach can't come on the floor. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't do shit, but tell us what to do. We got to go out there and, and you know what I'm saying? Put it in the game. Like he could tell us be in the gaps, contest everything. Uh, no easy layups, contest every layups, contest that all dunks, everything. But shit, he just saying words. We got to go out there and do the shit. So, I mean, it's up to, like I said, defense is effort. Like if you give effort, then you got great defense. Like if you watch New York night in, night out, they don't got great like single defenders. They just like, Whatever their defensive plan is, like, that shit is great. Like, they play great defense as a team at all times. Like, I love watching them play defense. Like, they, do, they, do, I feel like they're the best defensive team in the league. Like, they play hard. They take you out of your stuff. They press you. Like, we just got to, you know what I'm saying? They are the best defense. I think uh, they're number one. I think they're number one in defense. Yeah, like, like I mean, they got they got a couple great, like, isolation defenders. But, like, majority is, like, team. Like, they be like, I got your back. Like, they play great defense, man. Like, it's hard to score in New York, like for sure. Like it's hard to score in them. They play great defense. I think Ant bringing up New York there is is interesting. I mean, it's an example that brings up two things the Wolves currently don't have, right? They do not have a collective defensive mindset, you know, that New York has, and that's important. And I think that comes from accountability. You know, setting a collective mindset in anything is about leadership. You know, demanding participation. I mean, I think the best players... The, the leaders, you know, play a role in this. But for the most part, for the Timberwolves sense, I, I would say the the accountability part is on Finch. The second part of the Knicks that Amp brings up, or any, any you know, good defensive team, it's, it's the players, you know. Maybe they're not great individual defenders, but, but players that bring pride themselves, you know, they pride themselves on playing defense competitively. The Wolves don't currently have that. You know, their roster, as currently constructed, is made up of players who pride themselves on offense, which sounds worse than it is. I mean, that's not 100% a bad thing. Like, a team that only prided itself on defense probably wouldn't be that good either. I mean, we all love to talk about two-way players. You know, a full team of two-way players would be great. But the reality of the situation in the NBA is that the majority of the players, you know, they identify with being primarily offensive focused or primarily defensive focused. It's one or the other. The Wolves currently have predominantly off offensive focused players. And, you know, just like, just like that accountability is on Finch and adjusting that accountability, you know, adjusting the roster balance that is so tilted in that offensive direction that's on the front office. And, and adjusting that balance is something I think, you know, many of us anticipate happening this summer this offseason the question for the front office or for us who are speculating on it is is how you know or where where do you make your adjustment to this roster and 
as we talk about all the time, there's different paths for doing this. You know, and tonight I want to take, for those of you who listen when I have Brit on, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, one path that I think is worth considering now. And and that's the idea of of adding a true rim protector to this roster. I mean, this is something, you know, going back, I, I remember I've written about or I've talked about previous in previous years where, you know, it, it would just make sense because, you know, Cat in his career hadn't been that good of a defensive player. And, you know, you, you would you would think that just adding that would make a difference. But for the first time, you know, in years, we've actually have some real evidence that Carl Anthony Towns might be able to play next to a five. He's he's frequently right now playing next to fives or guarding fours. I mean, since Chris Finch took over, we've seen Cat guard fours on the perimeter a lot. It's not been his main positional assignment. Like, I don't want to say he's already playing the four. For the most part, the Wolves still use Cat as their center and you know they drop him into that, you know, rim protector role. But more and more, you know, Cat is being asked to take matchups out on the perimeter. And when when a, it's particularly when the opponents have like a physical perimeter player. And, you know, in those games, we saw this against the Kings the other night. You know, Finch usually usually toys around. He he, he tries to have a Josh Okogie or a Jaden McDaniels or Jared Culver or Wancho, you know, take that Harrison Barnes matchup, right? But what often happens is when that proves to not work, he, he goes to Cat. I mean, we first saw this right after the All-Star break, and I think this was a, you know, a pretty big signal when the Wolves, remember those... It was their second and third game after the break where they played the Blazers back-to-back, and we saw Finch start putting Cat on Carmelo Anthony. And again, we saw this the other night with Harrison Barnes. Barnes was killing McDaniels. McDaniels got in foul trouble. He was he was killing Hernan Gomez, and he, Finch tried Culver for a second. He pulled him, too. So the rest of the way, you know, Finch rolled with Cat on Barnes. I mean, this isn't just against those two opponents. You know, Cat is, whether it be his primary assignment or not, He's getting out and being asked to defend on the perimeter more often. Switches, whatever. He is not being asked to be a clear-cut rim protector center. And to me, this at least hints at the possibility that Cat could take that on to maybe be his primary role. Like right now, if it's, you know, 70% rim protector, 30%, you know, getting out on the perimeter, well, you know, I don't know. Could you invert that? Could you make it 30-70? Could you make Cat be a power forward? And I'm not saying this is right, but I think it's worth considering because this team, at the end of the day, needs to make a major leap defensively to ever become even average on that end. And the one way in basketball, we've seen this over and over again, to make a massive leap defensively with one move, it's by adding an elite rim protector. It just is. I know we love these wing defenders these days. You know, everyone just loves the the switchable 6'8", 3 and D guy. And those guys, they're good. You know, they're valuable and they're important. But we've come to start labeling those players as defensive fixers, right? You add some of them and now your team's switchable and great. You know, everyone points to the Miami Heat last year, what they could do defensively. They had they have Jimmy Butler, Andre Iguodala, Derek Jones Jr., Jay Crowder. They had... They had your switchy guys, so you could you could switch all over on the perimeter, and they were they were good. Those guys were certainly helpful. But Bam Adebayo is why that team was elite defensively. Without Bam, you just put an average center out there. You know that team is just solid defensively. 
I think a, a counter example of this is is the Blazers, right? They were all right, they were 27th in defense last season. So their their whole plan this offseason was was clear. To improve, we we're going to add defense. They went and out and got Robert Covington for two first round picks. They signed Derrick Jones Jr. And now they just went out and got Norman Powell at the deadline. But they're still 29th in defense this year. And that's because they haven't had a rim protector. You know, no use of Nurkic. So they've had Ennis Cantor there. And even with Nurkic back, they, they haven't ever really. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We've been great defensively. I mean, and I, I don't want to say that Cat is Ennis Cantor defensively because he isn't. He's Cat has improved overall on that end this year, and and part of that improvement has been rim defense. You know, he's been he's been better. I guess to use the Portland example, he's been Nurkic level, right? And that's a step up from you know a year or two ago where he was Cantor level. But I think it's fair to suggest that there's there's a ceiling on that. You know. You add a couple Covingtons on the wing for this Wolves, Wolves team right now, and they still might just be the Blazers. They sure were when they had actual Covington on this team. And I think just instead of targeting another Covington to be that defensive, you know, fixer, maybe the Wolves, maybe the Wolves should consider adding a Miles Turner. Would there, you know, I mean, would there be complications with the Turner Cat front court? Sure. But show me a path to the Wolves massively improving their defense that doesn't include complications. That's going to be the cost. After the break, we're going to talk about what impact Miles Turner specifically could have on this Timberwolves team. Fortunately, Miles Turner wasn't able to play against the Timberwolves. Well, I guess unfortunate for the sake of this podcast and not being able to have just seen what Turner did um, in person, but. If Turner would have played, it would have been it would have been unfortunate for the Timberwolves and you know specifically for their offense, specifically for Anthony Edwards. I mean, Edwards' kryptonite right now is elite rim defenders. We've seen Jared Allen, the Chris Tapps Porzingis, Joel Embiid, those those guys, you know, that are talented enough defensively to be able to erase what Edwards is best at right now, attacking the rim. And and Turner has become just as good as any of those three players at erasing at the rim. You know, like Allen, Porzingis, and B, Turner can, Turner can wait there for Ant or anyone and, and make it extremely difficult on that player to finish. You know, or if, or if it was Ant, if he, he switched out onto Ant on the perimeter, he's, 
Turner, like those other guys, is long enough to be able to you know wait back a little bit off of Ant to, to force him to drive into him. Or he's long enough to be able to contest that shot. So Ant is kind of being dared to pull up for a contested jump shot. I mean, if you could take away, and, and you know, Ant kind of, you know, serves as an example. This is a lot of teams, right? They have they have that lead guard that attacks. And I mean, with Ant specifically, if you could take away Ant's rim attacks and force him into contested pull-ups, you know, that's a win right now. You know, Turner can do that as well as anyone. I mean, if you haven't been able to watch the Pacers this season and you're thinking that Turner's just a shot blocker at the rim and, you know, he, he does lead the league in blocks... I, I mean, if you haven't seen him, I guess you just have to trust me. Like, that is not the extent of Turner's defense. This morning, knowing I was going to talk about this, I, I watched Turner's film out on guards on the perimeter this year, and he's, he's just as impressive as, you know, he's, one, he's become one of those bigs who can, is not a problem on, on smaller players. But the most impressive part of Turner's defense, you know, isn't his leading the league in block rate or his ability to switch out onto all positions. The most impactful part of his his defense is in the pick and roll. You know, Turner may be the best pick and roll defender in the league. I asked Chris Finch about Turner in that role before today's game. Coach, I know Miles Turner is questionable to play in this game, but I guess curious your perception on the the impact of an elite level rim protector in today's game, which it seems like miles has, has been this year. What have you seen from him thus far this season? And what does it mean for a team to have one of those elite rim protectors today and how the game has evolved? Well, I mean, it's, it's about protecting pick and roll. It's about being great in pick and roll. A lot of rim protection numbers are centered around pick and roll and a little less about help defense and the modern pick and roll trend is to be up and dropping with the roller and the really the long and special guys with great feel can be up drop with the roller contest the shot and still rebound I mean that's a that's a tough combination for a lot of guys to be able to pull off consistently at a high level I mean at that point you're only you're talking about the Anthony Davises of the world and Miles Turner is one of those guys now statistically speaking for all the reasons Finch just laid out there you know Miles Turner has been the best pick and roll big defender in the league this season. You know, of the of the 26 players who have defended over 300 pick and rolls this year, Turner ranks number 1 in points allowed per possession according to Synergy. And it's actually by a fairly sizable amount. And and Cat has has been good in that role. I mean, solid in that role as well this year. Of those 26 bigs, you know, Cat qualifies, he's defended over 300 pick and rolls and he ranks 11th. So part of you might be saying, well, if, you know, if Cat is already pretty good at this, how valuable would it even be to move from pretty good to great? Well, first, I'd say that pick and roll is only part of defense and that Turner is also better than Cat at everything else defensively. But I'd also point to how valuable it would be to have Cat, who's solid, or Turner, who's great on the floor at all times. I mean, right now when the Wolves take Cat out of games, they're they're just getting absolutely rocked. In the in the 16 games now since the All Star break, the Wolves have been outscored by 62 points in the 191 minutes that Cat has been out the floor, off the floor. When Cat has been on the floor, the Wolves, this awful Wolves team, has actually been winning. They have a positive point differential in his 577 minutes. 
plus two. A lot of that is is about the bench being awful, but a good chunk of that is on Nas Reed. I mean, if you if you look at that that list of twenty six players who have defended over three hundred pick and rolls, the list where Miles Turner is number one. Well, you scroll down and you find Nas Reed's name on that list at twenty fifth. I mean, not Nas has improved as a improved as a defender this season, but but when the Wolves consistently rely on him for rim defense, they they get killed. I mean, if the Wolves could play 48 minutes a night of Cat or Turner on the floor defensively, I mean, their their defense, it would, it would just improve drastically. I mean, 24 minutes of those two to, next to each other, let's say, 12 minutes of just Cat on the floor and 12 minutes of just Turner on the floor. That's doable. I mean, that's a big reason. I mean, Cat is a better defender than DeMontis Sabonis. And the Pacers have been a top 10 defense for both of the past two seasons because that's exactly what they do with Simonis and Turner, or at least try to do. So this all sounds great, right? Like, we found the solution. Well, you know, what's the catch? There's obviously a catch, and it's that you would need to trade for Turner. And trades carry cost. Now, the, the obvious cost of what you would need to give is what you would need to give up for Turner in a trade, which we'll get to. But I also want to, you know, before just like totally flying the flag for trading for Turner. I, I want to talk about the opportunity cost here, right? If the Wolves make this hypothetical move, the opportunity cost is that they can't make another move. You know, trade for Turner and say goodbye to the John Collins trade, obviously. And it's it's not just that. If, if you're the Wolves and you make any trade for an upgrade like this, whether it's Turner or Collins or Gordon when that was a thing, make any of those moves and you seriously hinder your ability to ever be able to make the big move right and and now i know most people think trading for ben simmons or someone of that caliber is a, is a pipe dream and and it is but but by making a move for a player like turner or collins a, a player who's a step below cat you cost yourself the ability to throw the full boat at a player that is a step above cat i mean you can assign the opportunity cost there based on what your own belief of the likelihood of that ever happening is, but it is but it is a cost nonetheless. If the Wolves trade for Miles Turner, like this is their team. And that's because trading for Turner would cost you a first round pick. And, you know, the the full boat of trading for a true star player, a player better than Cat, would require the full boat. That would a lot of your future first round picks. So that's the disclaimer out here. They're acquiring Miles Turner certainly would come with a cost. Now, the more immediate cost, the cleaner one is, you know, what's the size of the boat that you need to throw at the Pacers to get Turner, right? Well, with the Orlando Magic's recent trades at the deadline, you know, the Indiana Pacers actually have a pretty good idea of what the market is for, for both of their big men, you know? for not just Turner, but DeMontis Sabonis. I mean, Sabonis would probably bring you back something close to what Vucevic brought back to Orlando. I mean, Sabonis and Vucevic are almost on the exact same contract, and they're, you know, fairly similar caliber of players. And then, you know, Turner would, would probably bring back what Aaron Gordon fetched on the market. They're, again, those two happen to be on almost the same exact contract. Gordon... Gordon makes $18 million next season, and Turner is on the books for $18 million for the next two seasons. 
So if that's all true, if that's the cost of Miles Turner, what would the Wolves have to do in this hypothetical trade market to match what Denver sent to Orlando for Gordon? And what that was, was a hefty expiring contract, a young a young player on a rookie deal, and a protected first-round pick. So what Denver gave up was Gary Harris, who's set to make $20 million next season and then expire, a 2025 protected first-round pick, and RJ Hampton, who was the 24th overall pick in this last draft. The Wolves actually can pretty easily put together a fairly similar package. You know, Rubio is basically Gary Harris because Rubio makes $18 million next season and then expires. Pretty much the same. The Wolves have their own 2025 first-round pick, so they could so they could put that same pick on the table with the same protections. And the third part is is where it gets a little bit trickier. Probably starts to hurt some if you're the Wolves. I mean, the young player the Pacers would obviously want is Jaden McDaniels. McDaniels went in this same draft as Hampton four picks later. Now, I would say a package of Rubio, a 2025 first, and McDaniels is a noticeably better package than Harris-Hampton package that, you know, that Denver gave up. I mean, Rubio would would be a decent fit in the backcourt next to Brockton. I mean, the Pacers tried to sign him, tried to sign Rubio in the 2019 summer. And, you know, obviously any Wolves pick is better than any Nuggets pick because the Nuggets are good and the Wolves are bad. But with lottery protections, you know, that's functionally the same thing. So I think we've, like, checked those first two boxes, right, where Rubio equals Harris, pick equals pick. I mean, but the holdup on the Minnesota side, and probably for many of you listening to this right now, is... You know, Jade McDaniels. He McDaniels has proven to be a, a far more attractive piece than Hampton has as a rookie. I think including McDaniels in that deal would that would feel like a lot. I mean, the reality of trades is that if you're going to go get something good, you're probably going to need to give up a lot. So, so maybe if this trade discussion ever happens, you know, maybe McDaniels is just a requirement. But I think the Wolves have two other pivots to this offer off of McDaniels. One being Leandro Balmaro. Balmaro actually went the pick before Hampton in, in the draft. Um, but, you know, at least part of that was the Wolves seeing value and being able to stash him overseas for a few years. So I don't think we can I don't think we can just say Balmaro equals Hampton. That's not fair. I mean, international prospects have a Right, like a heavy eye of the beholder value to them. So let's assume Bolmaro is not intriguing to the Pacers front office. So what's the other Wolves' other option? Well, not Jared Culver. Um, you know, Josh Okogie will be on the last year of his deal, not him either. You know, those guys aren't really moving the needle. The other young piece, the only other young piece I could really pitch at all is Nas Reed. Now, I'm not saying that Nas Reed is the same level prospect as Hampton. I mean, Hampton has the cachet of being a first-round pick in this last draft, and he was a guy who kind of fell in that draft. You know, a lot of people thought Hampton might be in a lottery pick. I mean, and Nas is the opposite of that. I mean, he has the stink of being an undrafted player two years ago. And on top of that, he has the stench of all of his good play over these past few years coming in the context of literally playing for the Wolves, the Wolves, the worst team in the league. So I get it. I get 
that Nas does not equal Hampton. But here's my pitch. Nas is under contract for two more years at the minimum. He makes $1.8 million next year and $1.9 million the year after that. Nas Reed, two years and $3.7 million left on his deal. That, that's a bargain. And, you know, again, that doesn't make him a huge value. I mean, Hampton is a value too, but Hampton is more expensive, right? He's, he's on a real first-round rookie contract. Hampton has three years and $8.9 million left on his deal. So I would say, in this, from a purely, purely financial standpoint, you know, there's a sliver of value in there by, you know, putting in Nas. But overall, a Rubio Nas and 2025 protected first is, it's just clearly a worse package than what Orlando got for Gordon. Even, so even if, if Rubio is better than Harris, the Wolves, the Wolves probably still need to add to that. Nas just isn't enough. And basically, right, the only way to do that is, is adding another asset. So maybe you're, you got your Wolves roster pulled up right now. Maybe you say, oh, you know, Jalen Noel, maybe he moves the needle a little bit. Well, maybe, but, but now we have a three-for-one trade, which is, you know, that's a classic fake trade machine like written all over it, you know. The Wolves, would, the Wolves would likely need to boost their offer by getting rid of the protections on that pick. That's that's how you get up to, you know, a, a similar level to what Denver traded. Now, would Rubio plus Nas plus an unprotected 2025 pick intrigue the Pacers? I, I would have to think so. I mean, Cat's contract ends after the 2024 season. So if I'm Indiana, I'm looking at that, and I'm thinking that could mean there's a good chance that the Wolves are awful in the 2024-2025 season meaning that 2025 pick unprotected could be nice. So now do the Wolves even do that? Would the, would the Wolves agree to, to trade an unprotected pick? Would Glenn Taylor even allow Rosas to trade an unprotected pick that far into the future? I, I don't know. But I think that's what you're looking at if you're the Wolves, right? If you, if you want Miles Turner, you either got to include Jade McDaniels or you probably got to throw in an unprotected first. Something that could, one way or the other, hurt. Payne is going to come with trading for a player of Turner's caliber. I mean, he's a he's a legit All-NBA defense caliber player right now. That's the, that's the cost of landing good players, is good assets. You know, the, the question you got to ask yourself is whether what Turner would bring to this Timberwolves team would be worth that pain. I'm not... I'm. Certainly not saying the Timberwolves have to take this path, but I think it's worth putting out there. I'm putting it out there because the Timberwolves are going to adjust their roster this summer. That's just that's just a fact. And with that, if you know you are going to change things, it helps to have different paths to go down because you're going to hit dead ends on some of them or you're not going to have value. If this is a potential second or third or fourth path to look at for improving this team center you got to consider it because those other paths might not you know there might not be a lot there I, I i don't i just don't think the path of trading for a true rim protector should be ruled out and what would with what we've seen from cat this path past month i don't think this hypothetical path has ever made more sense 
Cat can play power forward now. We're, we're literally seeing it. All right, that's all I got for you tonight. Thursday is an off day, and then the Wolves are back at it in Boston on Friday. Somehow we are 52 games into the season, only 20 to go, that means. The Wolves are currently, let me pull it up here, the Wolves are currently one and a half games ahead of Houston in the Tankathon standings and two and a half ahead of Detroit. But the real name to watch here is Orlando, right? Because it's once you fall to the fourth spot, if you're the Wolves, that your odds start shifting. Right now, the Wolves have a four and a half game lead on the Magic there. Four and a half with 20 to go is, I mean, that's pretty sizable. Uh, obviously, a side plot worth tracking if you're the Timberwolves. And I guess a, a silver lining <laughs> of losing tonight to the Pacers backups. I will talk to you after the Celtics game on Friday. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody.